0: Hi, and welcome to our Fourth Universalist service video. My name is Ember Kelly, and I'm the Director of Religious Education here at the Fourth Universalist Society. I use she and her pronouns, and thank you so much for joining us today. What follows are selections from our service on August 8th, 2021, a service about wonder, uh, featuring James Underberg as a guest speaker. In this video, you will hear the reading and the reflection Following that, we hope that you'll join us for a lively discussion where we get to dive a little deeper into the service theme together. You're invited to check out this video and audio podcast each week. It's posted on our website, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, as well as your favorite podcast streaming sites. If you like what you see, we do hope that you could leave us a positive review. The likes, the comments, the sharing and subscribing, these all help to spread 4th Universalist Media further. Finally, we do acknowledge that our community is located on the land of the Munsi Lenape peoples. We acknowledge their community, past, present, and future. Fourth Universalist Society acknowledges that it was founded upon exclusions and erasures of many BIPOC peoples, including those on whose this land, this institution is located. With this acknowledgement, we seek to continue the process of working to dismantle the ongoing legacies of settler colonialism, white supremacy, as well as other forms of oppression. We invite you to join us in this work as well. Thank you again for watching. We begin with our reading.
1: Today's reading is from Alice Walker's The Color Purple. In this excerpt, which, we will, uh, which will be read by Alice Walker herself, Albert is talking with Celie about the big questions like, why are we here? This is Albert's response.
0: I think I was here to wonder myself, to wonder To ask, and that in wondering about the big things and asking about the big things, you learn about the little ones almost by accident. But you never know nothing more about the big things than you start out with. The more I wonder, he say, the more I
1: love. Morning, everyone. For those who I don't know, I'm James Underberg and really excited to be back with my home congregation here, 4th U again. And I'm excited to get something off of my chest, which is that I have no idea what's going on. I don't know what I'm here on the world to do. I don't know where we are in the arc of this pandemic. I don't know how to make sense of forest fires so vast they swallow up towns and turn the moon red. I don't know how to relate to the state of our politics and our democracy. I don't even know what I want for dinner tonight. And sometimes it feels like there's something wrong with me for having so many questions and so few answers for feeling so confused. I can feel like that's the message I get from a world that values answers above all else. When I think about strength, I've been conditioned to picture someone who knows. I think about confidence. I imagine someone with clear convictions. And when I imagine progress, I measure it in terms of questions answered. And for sure, there can be strength in knowing. There can be strength in clear convictions. There can be strength in questions answered. But when that's the only place we see those qualities, then not knowing starts to feel like weakness or failure. And then we hold on to answers, whether or not they have any truth or value. You know, sometimes you'll hear people say, oh, that person has really strong convictions. And it's just accepted, that's a good thing, it's a good thing to compliment to have clear convictions. And I think this is so revealing about our attitudes towards answers because strong convictions are not good, they're not bad either, it just depends on what the convictions are. Martin Luther King had strong convictions and so did Adolf Hitler. But it's like we've separated the value of having an answer from the value of the answer itself so that just having an answer is a good thing. Answers at all costs. So with these conditions, no wonder it feels like I should have answers too. But in my finer moments, it's so clear that nobody knows what's going on. Nobody knows. In this moment of the pandemic, we're kind of awkwardly trying to get back to some normal answers But normal in this country is also a mess. Normal is a people divided into vastly different realities. Normal is burning up the planet. Normal is a mental health and opioid crisis. It's white body supremacy. It's nearly 2 million human beings living behind bars. It's billionaires cruising up into space while half a million people don't have homes in this country, that's normal. Are those the answers that we're excited to get back to? Maybe the problem isn't having too many questions and too few answers. Maybe the problem is having too few questions about our lives, about one another, about how we make decisions collectively and structure our society. When we privilege answers above all else and stop asking questions, we get stuck. That's what an answer is. It's a closing in around one possibility. And sometimes that's a good thing. If if I'm sick, I wanna close in around one possibility as soon as possible. I wanna know why. So answers can be good, but other times answers can become a prison. Part of why it's so hard to leave a job, a relationship, a religion, an ideology that doesn't work, because in a culture that says you gotta have answers and you're a failure if you don't, can feel safer to cling to answers, even if they're killing us. It's also how we get stuck in violent ways of relating to ourselves and to one another. Valerie Kaur, who's a Sikh American, S-I-K-H, Sikh American author, describes the end of wondering and questioning as the beginning of violence. Because every human being is constantly changing with infinite layers and complexity. And when we stop being curious about parts of ourselves or about one another, when we say, I know who you are, we flatten and reduce the self or the other into one little fixed dehumanizing answer. Yesterday, I had this thought, oh, I'm jealous of my friend, and so that means I'm a bad person. Even though that jealousy is just one of a million parts of who I am, and even though the day before, I was delighted for them. Or, you're unvaccinated, so that means you're a bad person, is another big one these days. It can be hard to resist that storyline in this time of intense polarization, even though that person has infinite layers and their vaccination status cannot come close to summing up who they are. But when we think we're supposed to have simple answers about everything and everyone, we put everything and everyone in boxes and those boxes have walls and those walls separate us from them. And when we're separate, we no longer feel empathy. And once that happens, all bets are off. We can say, I hate you because you're over there on the other side of that wall and I don't feel your pain. When we stop wondering, that's the beginning of feeling separate, which is the beginning of maybe all of our problems. I don't know. And then that sense of being separate gets codified into policies, which become their own answers about how we police and tax each other, about where we build parks and where we build smokestacks, about how much inequality is okay. Answers that got us to normal, answers that take on their own sacred status and get entrenched and hard to change because at least they make us look like we know what we're doing. So if you're like me and you have a lot of questions and sometimes it feels like something's wrong for not knowing, maybe it's the other way around. Maybe the problem is we have too many answers and too few questions. What do we do about it? I'm not sure. But it seems the first story, the first step is to tell a different story about knowing and not knowing. We could tell a story like the Mayan creation story we heard earlier, where nothing is wrong with us for not knowing. That's how it's supposed to be. It's a blessing, not a curse. It means we can always learn more. We could tell a story Like Albert in The Color Purple, when he says, I think us here to wonder, to ask. Not to know, not to figure it all out or solve, but to wonder, what if that was why we're here? We could tell a story that recognizes strength in staying with the discomfort of not knowing, because you better believe that takes strength. A story that sees confidence in looking someone in the eye and saying, I don't know. That is confidence a story that sees progress not just in questions answered but in answers questioned and these are not new stories this is a story mahatma gandhi tells in his memoir which he chose to call the story of my experiments with truth my experiments with truth Instead of answers, we could be living experiments, we could be living hypotheses, open to being challenged, adjusted, and proven wrong, and that's the whole idea. It's the story Valerie Kaur has chosen. In the wake of horrible violence towards her sick community, she writes about a daily practice of staying curious about even those who hate her. Easier said than done, but she shows it's possible. And this is a story that trans and gender non-conforming people have been living throughout the world and throughout time. Alok Veid Menon, who wrote our opening words, says, that is why trans people were historically regarded as spiritual leaders, because of our mastery of metamorphosis. This world teaches us that everything is fixed and cannot be changed. And then trans people enter, and we say, we can change everything. So yeah, I don't know what's going on, but I have a sense that's not the problem, that we need more questions, not less. And I have some sense that we could use some more love in the world. And I have some sense, like Albert says in The Color Purple, that the more I wonder, the more I love. And I see the wisdom in Valerie Kaur's writing when she says, when we choose to wonder about people we don't know, When we imagine their lives and listen for their stories, we begin to expand the circle of those we see as part of us. We can look upon the face of anyone or anything around us and say as a moral declaration and a spiritual, cosmological, and biological fact, you are a part of me, I do not yet know. You are a part of me, I do not yet know. Maybe every answer we need starts right there. So what will you wonder more about? Who will you wonder more about? Let's live like the people of the corn Let's lead seven billion experiments with truth. Let's wonder like it's what we're here to do.
0: So I am really excited to get to sit down with James Underberg, our guest speaker today. James, it's uh, so great to to have you here. Could you introduce yourselves for any uh, of our listeners who may not know who you are?
1: Sure, thank you, Amber. Yeah, really happy to be here. Also, James Underberg, I use he, him pronouns, and I'm a member of Fourth Universalist my home congregation, and uh, I'm a student at Meadville Lombard, and i um, excited I'm going to be starting a hospital chaplaincy internship this fall. So that's a little bit about me, and yeah, happy to be talking to you. I was saying a little, little nervous also. We'll see what happens in this conversation, but yeah.
0: Uh, I'll take it easy on you. I promise. Yeah, yeah please. Thank you. <laughs> is, is that uh, the chaplaincy? Is that for your CPE as part of seminary? It is. Yeah. Yeah. Clinical pastoral
1: time. education. It's a part of the, the seminary program. Yeah.
0: Yes. Yes. As a, as a seminary graduate, a, a fun time, <laughs> the, the, the CPE time. Um, you know, if if any of you listeners, you, know, you want to really uh, challenge yourself, uh, the clinical pastoral education, where you really got to dive in and think about how you process emotions around a lot of stuff, and um, how you work with others, and how you care for others—it is—it is, it is a, a fascinating time uh, of the seminary. Yeah, I wish you um, luck, please. <laughs> yes, yeah, you'll do great, I'm sure. And I think, honestly, that like uh, this message, um, you know, I think if CP taught me anything, it was that I didn't have all the answers. So I, you know, I feel like this is a, an appropriate uh, lead-in to, to today's message: is that. You know, uh, when you start, you know, I think uh, as seminarians and as a lot of like undergrads and even as people in other grad school programs, we 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 do like to to come in thinking that we have all the answers. Like that, look at all this education we have, and and as you mentioned, that we have this like as a society that it's like, hey, uh, answers. We like it's important to know everything to have the whole system figured out, but when it gets time to like, start really working with people, like suddenly just your whole world (laughs) can get radically shifted. Has that been a little bit of your experience and kind of maybe what inspired uh, today?
1: Yeah, I think so. It's definitely been um, some challenging conversations I've had with people who are coming at the world from a very different place than I am is part of it. And sort of how is that possible, whether it's, Politically coming from a different place or theologically coming from a different place. That's something I'm sort of I'm interested to see how that um, works in the clinical setting at the hospital. when I'm talking to someone who has a very different understanding of religion and of God. And, you know, how will I be able to relate to that? And I, I feel like hopefully these kinds of messages of curiosity and wonder will be a support in that um, but yeah, I mean, I think the, the inspiration so that's part of the inspiration for the message today, and the rest of the inspiration is just the world and my feeling of being lost and confused, and that's not a new feeling for me uh, right. so it's been a, this has been a theme for me for many years I'll say that <laughs>
0: right. Well, and I was going to say, especially the, the, these last two years, I think that's been really uh, a feeling for a lot of folks is um, you know I, as someone who was a bit more disillusioned perhaps and also like in Vietnam uh, when the pandemic started and uh, watching people kind of have this like, wait, like we don't have all the answers. We can't, we didn't do everything right. Like, you know, it, it's shaking. It, it, it's a little bit jarring at first to have like all of your assumptions really really shaken and have to realize that you, you can't be a hundred percent sure.
1: Totally. And I was feeling lost before that. So in some ways I was a little relieved. It's like, okay, you're not the only one. (laughs) Now everyone else is. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I mean, I think talk about the futility of trying to predict the future or know what's going to happen. I mean, no one predicted this. No one saw it coming. Uh, um, You know, we can think we have it all figured out and then life happens. Right. It's just because it was sort of, Oftentimes, I think that happens to one person individually at a given time. This was an example, and there are, I guess, any time a kind of tragedy on the scale strikes, it's it's an example where everybody is grappling with that same experience at once.
0: Yeah, definitely, Why don't, you know, so many of us like we hold on to this, you know, we, we still want to hold on to like the old way that we we had it, and you know, I think that um, you know, as we were, were prepping for this, you know, I was talking a little bit about like how. Uh, in my own life uh, as a trans woman that like uh, in some interactions with friends or with family that they still very much want to like hold on to this this new person and you or to this old person and not not realize like hey things change and get to get to understand me and get to know me you know you talked a little bit about that and um and the trans experiences in in the message like people uh, people love to be able to have a quick and easy summary and a quick and easy understanding, whether it's of the world or of other people. Um, you know, what, are, like, what are some ways that we can really like, start to deprogram ourselves from that, like wanting to do that?
1: Yeah, I mean, this is one of the ways, I don't know if you're familiar with the uh Van Menden, if you've heard their work before, but I just have so appreciated the way they talk about sort of the gift that trans people are offering the rest of us and at often tremendous sacrifice to their own lives and their families lives in, but, but they are sort of offering us this reminder and waking us up to the fact that we can question everything. And that, um, so I, yeah, I mean, I have a lot of, and, and that in that sense, sort of the movement for trans liberation is not just for trans people, it's for everyone. Um, so I've really appreciated hearing the Loeb's perspective on that and um, yeah, just having kind of a lot of gratitude mm. for the trans community and the gift that they're offering the world, even though a lot of people in the world are, aren't ready to accept that gift.
0: Right. Well, I think it's a uh, free air. If I, if I'm remembering correctly, that talks about how that liberation is, is mutually beneficial. Like the, the oppressors are losing part of their humanity by like wanting to to hold on to like they think that it's working great for them but in reality it's it's not good for us to hold on to these old ways of hurting others
1: totally you know? yeah. yeah
0: definitely the empathy you know i like I, we, we joked I, I, when i was taking notes on, on my mm-hmm. message i just wrote down only the word empathy but you know empathy uh like that's a, a key way to to start understanding other people's experiences is uh, we, it's easier said than done, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's, it's both, I think, maybe a way of understanding people's experiences and it's what comes when we understand people's experiences. But also even if we don't understand each other's experiences, I think it's still possible to invite in empathy if we have that intention. We don't need to, this is another thing love talks about, like, we don't need to understand in order to love.
0: Yeah. Um, uh, well, as you said in the message, you know the strength in not knowing. We don't. We don't have to. We don't have to know. Like we can, you know. Gosh, uh, you know your your message really hit home as I uh, prepare for our soft opening in in two weeks. And I, I have this sense in myself that I'm like, I need to have it all figured out. I need to have every, you know, I dotted and T crossed, and I need to like have the entire. There there needs to be no wiggle room for for any issue. Uh, And that's just not doable for for human beings.
1: Totally, yeah. It's not natural. You know, if we wanted to be robots, maybe. Um, I mean,
0: I could, you know, we'll get some robots to them. Yeah, exactly.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and why, you know, and can that be beautiful? That's part of the beauty of being human is that we're not perfect and we're not all knowing and there's it's totally just a cultural story that that's a problem you could tell a different story if you wanted to mm,
0: yes yeah making making a new way of doing things yeah yes um so the the nerd in me when you talked about I, I wrote down the phrase so and it it might be the complete phrase from from message uh but i wrote down a part of me that i do not yet know is that that i get it down right when i wrote it down
1: that's the phrase and, and just to make clear that those are not my words, those are the words of Valerie Kaur. Um, highly recommend her book, See No Stranger, yes. by the way. But yes, those, those are the words. Yes,
0: well, so as, as a giant nerd, uh, it reminded me of, of Doctor Who. Uh, I, I once spent a lot of time watching Doctor Who, not quite as much anymore. Uh, but in uh, the transition from the 11th Doctor to the 12th Doctor, they have this whole thing called regeneration. Uh, and the 11th doctor delivers this monologue and it's one that stood out to me as a, as a trans person, um, but I think it, it also resonates with, with this from today. So let me uh, grab it here and read it. And so uh, the doctor is talking to his companion and is getting ready for this big change. And the doctor says, we all change when you think about it. We're all different all through our lives. And that's okay, that's good. You've got to keep moving as long as you remember all the people that you used to be. Hmm. And so that, that kind of came up to, you know, in, in my uh, mind, the second that I heard you say that, I'm like, I'm like ooh, I gotta go find this Doctor Who quote real quick. Um, yeah. Does anything about that resonate with you?
1: Totally, yeah, you know, um, in the coffee hour talking after the service, people we were sharing about sort of different answers collectively that we feel like aren't working. And, um, for instance, the two party system in our political system, and it can be easy to kind of really get hard on ourselves. And what came up for me was there's this other line from Thich Han, which didn't quite make it into the sermon, but he talks about knowing as this kind of journey climbing up a ladder mm-hmm. and that you're on one rung and then to get to the next rung you got to let go of what you're holding and reach for the next one and hold on to that one as you pull up your feet and then let go of that to get to the next one and so um the rungs that we've traveled through are what got us here
0: Mm
1: -hmm. and the problem is if we are holding on to them and we stop our learning, we stop our growth. So I don't know, when I think about myself and these parts of me and who I used to be, it's like, oh, all those parts of me, like those were the earlier wrongs. Right. And um, yeah, so how do I really like welcome and invite and remember them because I wouldn't be who I am if not for those.
0: Right, but then also realize that someday the right. current you will be the, the past you as long as you keep, uh, keep climbing up there. Now, that's right. a beautiful illustration. Like, yeah. Uh, I I uh, purchased last year some some Tignanahan books uh, as part of my my prep work for things and he's a he's a great writer. Um, oh yeah,
1: sure. amazing, beautiful soul too. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, so as a final uh, interesting question and thought is just a few weeks ago um, and I can't remember for sure I'm not a hundred percent who it was who delivered the message but we had a. A message that was about wonder in the sense of like this feeling and um, you know even like I'm you know the really abstract feeling like wonder like the world is so amazing and like wow. But then today it kind of felt like this was much more about wonder as action. Um, Mm. You wanna you wanna talk a little bit about like that that difference and like these senses of wonder.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I was thinking about that the, you, the same word can describe different things. And what is the relationship between these different kinds of wonder? And I'm not sure I haven't really fully thought it through. But it seems like you need to have some there needs to be kind of the uh, curiosity and openness to new experience that's in the kind of wonder as action, wondering about, mm-hmm. in order to feel the sense of awe and wonder. I don't think I feel wonder about things that I know exactly what they are. Uh-huh. Um, and maybe the other way around too, where in order to feel curious about something, like it's helpful to be in awe of them. Right. And like, wow, I can never fully know you, but I'd like to learn a little bit more. Um, so maybe in that way these two kind of they're definitely connected the two understandings of the word and they build on each other Um, but yeah that would be interesting I mean that could be its own sermon talking about you know what these two words have
0: keep that in mind keep that in mind yeah (laughs) no like and I think you hit on something there because like you know when we see something really like majestic in nature you know yes like we can do some science and figure out certain parts of it but there's still just something about all of these things all together. Like you know, when you look up in the night sky and realize that there is literally billions of other like stars and like, <laughs> the, the sun is only one star amongst billion and like, you can understand that scientifically, but like, there's also just a sense that it's so like beyond comprehension, like how huge uh, it is. Um, yeah, no, yeah, I think being curious. Yeah, you gotta be curious to, to be learning. Um,
1: I think so, and the same is true with people too. We're all just, you know, infinite universes, and we'll never fully know each other. And so I, I think it's it's easy to kind of just go,ing Oh, here's another human being. Here's another human being. But every human being is a whole universe too, right. and uh, it's sort of overwhelming when you kind of think about it. Uh, but I think that's kind of what Valley Core is getting at in. Mm talking about how wonder helps with love because when we're open to the vastness of others, we're really seeing them in their in their humanity. We're, we're remembering that they're human beings as well. Whereas when we're sort of, a, oh, I know you and you're this, uh, they're basically, we're sort of killing them. They're just kind of this fixed thing that's not really alive. It's just like an image. Um, so, yeah. <laughs>
0: Bringing me back a little bit to my to my uh, thesis days, there my um, we had to do a constructive theology where you know you got to like cover the different parts of our of of a like theological worldview. Um, and for like my image of God, I talked about God as the other and how I mm. can train us to think about humans uh, as other and like that it's okay for people to be other because. To everybody else, we are also other. (laughs) Like, right? Yeah, Yeah. I think that was real beautiful the way you said it. Of that, everybody is, you know, a universe kind of in in themselves too. Yeah. Appreciate the the otherness of each other.
1: Right. Yeah, and the infiniteness, and then also the sameness of the other. In that, I'm a universe too, and so we're both in that experience of like, I'll never really fully know myself either, and Mm. we're in this experience of humanity of not really knowing, and that's kind of the deal. That's like what we signed up for.
0: <laughs> James, it's been wonderful to, to get in, to get to sit and wonder with you, to, to yeah. keep thinking a little bit. Um, and thank you also. I want to give some credit where credit is due for the uh, recommendation on the Time for All Ages, as well as the great images. So <laughs> uh, that, was, that was great. I really enjoyed uh, getting to share that. So thanks for, for joining us today, James.
1: Yeah, thanks so much, Amber. It's been lovely working with you and, and having this debrief. So thank you.